Making Monsters with Taylor Dahl. It's like beer and brats. A perfect combination. You know the deal. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl, and uh, we are just continuing on. Last week definitely did not go the way a lot of us thought. It's the Chargers. The Chargers are a better team. We know that um, they they have a lot of really, really good talent on there and veteran talent. So I, I think some people were expecting a little bit more, though. Unfortunately, Tyson Beja and the game plan did not go the way it went the week before. But we are moving on from that because... As I say every week, that is not what Making Monsters is about. Making Monsters is about highlighting the players who are doing good things on the football field. And I can actually make a list of those because there are a lot of a lot of guys making plays out there and who are progressing as the season has has kind of went on. And so this name I am covering today has been a force. And he's been a force since he's came to the NFL. He was a force in college. He uh, and he has an interesting story because he did not play the position that he plays now or that he played in college and high school. So it's really fun. Uh, and that's why today uh, we are going to talk about TJ Edwards, one of Ryan Pohl's signings this offseason, probably one of his best signings just because of the value he got out of Edwards. And I think a lot of the concerns kind of surrounded whether that that Philly defense being so good was making TJ better. Uh, it kind of looks like TJ can be successful wherever he is and he, he's shown that pretty quickly yes he he's had his moments those are going to happen um especially on a defense that ha- is struggling in certain aspects but you do see week by week they they seem to be getting better so uh tj is from lake uh, villas illinois which obviously we we've seen the pictures we've seen the pictures of him as a kid wearing his bear stuff and it's so cute and fun to see and it's a, just a real a full circle of life type of thing because the kid grew up outside of Chicago, a Chicago Bears fan, and now he gets to play for the Bears at such a historical position at linebacker. Uh, he attended Lakes Community High School. He was a two, three-star, depending which site you're looking at, coming out of high school, uh, where he played quarterback. And we'll talk about that quite a bit in this podcast. But uh, he ended up getting recruited by several schools. He committed to Western Michigan to start, ended up decommitting to Western Michigan and going to Wisconsin where he played inside linebacker there. Uh, he was undrafted and signed by the Eagles in 2019 and by year two was already making noise on the defense in Philly. So it, it's a really fun story. And we'll, we have a couple guests through us, uh, I mean, with us today. But the main reason we're talking about TJ and the, the stats don't even cover it. The stats don't even cover what exactly he's been able to do and the kind of force he's been on this defense. Um, This year through eight games, Edwards has 85 tackles, which is third in the NFL behind Zaire Franklin and Foye Luikin in Jacksonville, who Foye always sits atop those tackle records every single year, uh, no matter where he's been, and now he's doing it in Jacksonville. So uh, Edwards also has two sacks, four tackles for loss, four QB hits, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. So that's a a lot of statistics that you're putting alongside his name. And like I said, that doesn't even fully just explain what he's been able to do uh, on this defense. Uh, So in this Making Monsters, we're going to chat with two people, a familiar name in Coach Luke Mertens. Coach Mertens also uh, coached Jack Sanborn, and we talked to him last year when Sanborn took over for Roquan and was really looking like he was popping out and making some big plays. And uh, Coach Luke Mertens also coached TJ Edwards, and he did mention that in the podcast last year when I talked to him. But at this time, obviously, he was in Philly, so we, we briefly touched on it. And now he is a Chicago Bear, so more reason for us to talk to Coach uh, but we'll also chat with Kevin Claxton Jr. Uh, coach Claxton, he is now a high school coach down here in Florida, but he is a former Badger linebacker and for, uh, former defensive analyst for the Badgers when Edwards was there. So he has a little bit of a glimpse of uh, especially those last couple years that Edwards was in Wisconsin, what he was able to do for that defense who was number two nationally ranked his junior year at uh, while he was at Wisconsin. So uh, again, really cool story. Quarterback, turned inside linebacker, uh, two-star recruit, undrafted, now making noise every single week on the defense in the NFL. So uh, let's go ahead and just get to this first interview with Coach Luke Mertens and talk about his high school and how that quarterback ended up shifting to a linebacker position and what success he did have when he was playing quarterback. 
Alrighty, now we are continuing on our episode, our Making Monsters of TJ Edwards, and now we are going to be joined by Luke Mertens, Coach Luke Mertens. He's St. Patrick football head coach, former Lakes High School. Is it Lakes Community High School coach? Is that the the full name of it, or is it just Lakes? Very technically, Lakes Community High School okay. in Lake Villa, Illinois. Okay. So uh, you, if you guys have listened to Making Monsters before, you may recognize the name, and that's because Coach uh, Martins joined me for Jack Sanborn also, who he coached, and so TJ Edwards, another player of yours. So it's kind of a cool story, and it, it brings us a little bit of full circle because when I was talking to you last year, briefly in the interview, you mentioned another player in TJ Edwards and how he was playing in Philly and leading the, leading the league in tackles, and he's kind of been able to do that since he's came into the NFL and then a few months later the Bears signed him and I was super excited because number one I now was a little even more familiar with TJ because of you but also what he's been able to do with Philly uh, I, I guess some of the questions surrounded just how much that Philly defense surrounding him helped him uh, but it looks coach like he is just that type of player have you seen uh, this season already that just the burst of the type of player he can be here in Chicago, too? Yeah, absolutely. If you go back to his career at Wisconsin is when he first actually started playing linebacker. I mean, it's been well documented for those who are not aware. TJ was a high school quarterback, and he did not play defense until he went to Wisconsin. So think about trying to learn a whole new position in the Big Ten. I mean, you want to talk about the magnitude of, of that you know, what he would have to learn in that process, right? And he was a tackling machine at Wisconsin. And then he comes into the league undrafted, which that kind of came as a surprise. But again, Mm -hmm. he had to earn his roster spot through special teams. And then from special teams, get on the field to occasional rundown and eventually becoming the all-time down linebacker for the Eagles. But the consistent is he just makes plays. He makes a lot of tackles makes things happen and that was definitely I'm assuming that was the draw for the Chicago Bears was Mm -hmm. to bring home a home kid and let him go out and make the tackles and 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 he I mean I know the the team hasn't had a ton of success but TJ is still making a lot of tackles like that's what he does he just has instincts and finds the which is uh, what you want when you have those linebackers. And we talk about just the linebacking position in Chicago being historical. And you can name off a long list of guys um, from the start of the Chicago Bears who have been in that position and that are just very historical figures when it comes to playing football at that linebacker position. And so th- that is, it's a, it's a high standard in Chicago. And I think that when you sign somebody, people people were upset last year when the Bears let go of Roquan. And, you know, it's kind of, it's hard to find that level of talent but it looks like with Tremaine and TJ, once things start to settle down, and like you said, the season's not going as you we want it, but um, you feel like those two can really start making a difference when it comes to that position group. But let's go back to a little bit. You mentioned uh, he actually played quarterback in high school, and he was not playing on the defensive side of the ball, which is so interesting to me. So tell me a little bit about your first encounter with TJ and that, that quarterbacking position for him in high school. So... TJ was, like most guys that make it to the professional level, was great in any sport that he played. So when he came into Lakes, I would say that football was probably his third choice. He identified more with being a baseball and a basketball guy. And, you know, football was kind of something that he did, and he didn't really see himself as a football player. Um, So he goes out for quarterback and – his freshman year, he was very green. He didn't really know a ton. And, um, you know, my philosophy on the lower levels is let as many kids play and develop as possible. So we had a rotating quarterback system because we want as many kids to just kind of get that game experience. And moving on to his sophomore year, he wasn't even sure if he was going to continue to play football because, like many kids in today's crazy youth world, he thought he had to focus on playing year-round basketball or Mm -hmm. focus on playing year-round baseball, which is really unfortunate that so many kids are being fed that that line in today's world. But he, too, was kind of thinking that. And I'm like, are you crazy? I'm like, "You're, you're a great football player. And he just didn't see that in himself. So he decides to stick with the sport, 
move forward to by his junior year, he's now our starting quarterback. Now people say, did you miss that he was not a linebacker? We didn't miss anything. We knew who TJ was. We knew that he was a playmaker. We knew that he was explosive. We knew he was physical. But that's why we wanted him to be our quarterback. And the one guy that touches the ball on every single play on mm-hmm. the center. You know, it's the guy that we wanted, the 10 guys in the huddle that are looking at saying, hey, you know, this is our leader. And we just felt that although he could have played many positions for us, that's where the intangibles that he brings to the field would really be accentuated the most. That's a really, that's really cool to hear. And you know, once you go back to high school football, like you said, some there's there's multi-sport athletes, and those are when they kind of figure out through high school which way they want to go. And sometimes it's just about which sport they love more. Sometimes it's coaches being like, "Hey, you could be really, really good at this, and you have a future." Um, what did it seem like for with TJ for you? Was it the the kind of the coaches and the team, the football team, that led him to wanting to stay, or did you see that like grow for that love grow for football throughout those four years? Definitely combination of both. Okay. You know, as he started to really understand who he was and started to identify more as I am a football player and good because it, it was wild. Like even when he was a junior and he was getting Division One football coaches coming in to see him work out, I mean, he was like, Coach, really? They're coming to me? I mean, it, he really just did not see himself as that guy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the thing is, I think that's kind of also what kept him motivated because he always felt like he had to prove himself and had to work harder than the guy next to him. And he, you know, he never just kind of rested on his laurels because he didn't understand how good he really was at that time, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're coming through and they're recruiting him. And I think that started kind of changing his, his mindset a little bit. Um, and then, you know, let's, let's be honest. I mean, they're, there's a reason why they make TV shows and movies about Friday night football. I mean, it's, it's a oh, really yeah. special thing, you know, and when you actually get to get to walk out there on a Friday night and your whole town's there and, you know, you're the main show on that for those two hours. I mean, it's pretty addicting, oh, you yeah. know? So, you know, once he got to taste that as much as he loved, you know, uh, playing baseball on, on a Tuesday at 4:30 PM in front of 30 parents, He's like, man, this is pretty cool to get to play football in front of two, three, four, five thousand people yeah. coming to watch. So, you know, just like all of that combined, just really kind of really lured him into the sport. He started loving the weight room. I just started loving the process of being a football because, or being a football player season because it is unlike any other sport. You know, you think about these other sports. How to get good in basketball? Get in the gym, shoot free throws, shoot layups, shoot three pointers. You know, how do you get good in baseball? You're in the batting cage, hitting balls, or you're pitching. Mm -hmm. How do you get good in football? You're in the weight room at 5.30 in the morning, power cleaning. Like, it's such a different mindset. It's a totally different preparation for sport. You think about the practice to play. You know, you're practicing five days a week for one game. Think about how many games you get to play in baseball, basketball, hockey, you name it, lacrosse. And I think TJ just fell in love with that process. Not many not not a lot of kids do in today's world because yeah. it's really, really hard to be a football player because of that practice-to-play ratio. Mm-hmm. But TJ embraced it. He loved it. So all of those things combined is why you see who you see on TV right now and why he's become the player he has become. Yeah, and I, I could totally relate to the that just experience and the moment of Friday Night Lights because obviously being uh, high school, going to high school here in Florida – football, Friday night football, high school football in Florida is huge. And that's what Friday nights are about here. And then also how I got, when I first started in radio, I was actually doing sideline for uh, some of our local high school football teams. And that's just how big it is here. So I definitely understand that experience of uh, just being like how just big that moment can be for kids and how cool it can be. Um, Speaking of the, just the body type, because obviously now I I think he's around 6'1", 240, 250, something like that is I think where he sits now. So what was it in high school? Were you already seeing the indicators that he could be a big guy playing on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, you you just kind of see people's body frames. I mean, kids come in as freshmen and you could tell by their hands, by their feet, by, you know, the way they move. Like, you could kind of see who is still has a lot of growth in them and who is going to turn into what he has kind of turned into. So, 
Um, it's, it's I can't really like make it tangible for you, mm-hmm. but if you talk to any football coach, they'll tell you the same thing. Like you could just tell, right? Like you could see these guys like, man, this kid has a lot of growth in him, or this kid could put on a lot more weight. I mean, it's one of the big things that college recruiters, when they come and talk to a high school level, like they're looking for the same thing, right? They want, they don't want the kid who has tapped out reaches his potential physically and mentally by his 12th grade, yeah. right? They want the kid that's going to develop more and there's still a couple more inches that are still 30 more pounds of good weight they could put on him or they can make him faster, whatever it may be. So you could just always tell from TJ. I mean, by his senior year, I think he was playing at like 215 around, mm-hmm. but he carried it really well. You yeah. know, like some kids at 215, like that's it. Like that's, that's the best they could be at. You could tell by the way that they're moving that, that that's pretty much like their max weight that they could play at. And you just knew from watching him how explosive he was at 215 pounds and the, and the fact that he was only 17 years old at the time that there still was a lot more growth that he could still, you know, kind of, you know, do to his body, which is what you saw kind of happen at Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, that's why you're seeing a 240-pound linebacker yeah. now. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that re- the recruiting process for him because, obviously, being um, – I think it was a two-start recruit and committed to Wisconsin. You mentioned that. But being a two-way player and kind of making that decision of which position he wanted to go, where school – where the college is coming in recruiting him as a defensive player despite him playing quarterback? Yeah. So the recruiting process is really interesting because a, a couple things – um, and this is just uh, FYI for the listeners that are intrigued by this, and especially younger players. I could tell you the college coaches care less what the what the star rankings next to your name are. That means mm-hmm. nothing to college coaches. It's exciting for fans and it's exciting for parents and you know local media. But at the end of the day, the college coaches care about what they see on film, what they see in person when they watch a kid work out, and what they hear from the high school football coach in terms of integrity and character and work ethic. Like that's really all it boils down to. Yeah. Um, so move on to TJ specifically, he actually did not play defense. I mean, so all of his film was playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think he took a total literally of seven defensive snaps his senior year. That was it. Wow. Okay. So I, you know, we put together his highlight film, as I tell all my players, you want to showcase your skills because they're not recruiting the position. They're recruiting the player, okay? Now, quarterback's a little bit different, but when I talk to college coaches, I, I said to the get-go, this is not a quarterback. This is a football player. So the college coaches, when they watch this film, they'd watch it from the, the lens of a football player. And you would watch TJ hand the ball off and then run out to an outside linebacker and go flat back him. Like, how many high school quarterbacks yeah. do that? Yeah. Not many, you know? Um, you know, we would occasionally run TJ down on kickoff. Like, how many football teams run their starting quarterback down on kickoff? Yeah. But I would do it because he was such a freak athlete, and you'd watch him run down on kickoff, and you would see his explosive power on, on that, you know? So those things kind of all combined is how – recruiting went along now what did college coaches look at him as I mean it was literally wide receiver tight end linebacker running back I mean every college that came in and recruited him had a different idea of what he could be where he could end up and honestly I think he would have excelled at all those positions to be Mm -hmm. honest with you because he is such a such a great athlete that is incredible so was there a conversation between you two of like, hey, what could possibly be this the the best route when he goes to college of what he should or could play? Yeah, absolutely. Because he would say to me, hey, coach, school X is talking about me as a tight end. Like, do you really think I could play tight end at that level? So we did have a lot of those conversations. And what I kept bringing them back to is focus less on position and what they're telling you to, you're going to play because that could change multiple times through your four to five years in college. You could go through a coaching change, which could cause a position. Like there's so many reasons why that shouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. Focus on the university. Focus on, hey, this is where I want to be. This, could, this feels like home to me. This is the degree that I want to be associated with my name for the rest of my life. So we focused more on that process, which is what led him to Wisconsin. Uh, he really liked the proximity of Chicago. He liked the idea of his 
parents being able to come watch him play. He loved the idea of playing in the Big Ten, being a Midwestern kid. So he focused more on that and not so much on the fact that Wisconsin was going to make him a linebacker, which obviously ended up being the right decision in the long run anyway. Definitely, and I'm sure he's looking back at – I'm sure there's moments where he looks back at just kind of the process through high school and looks at where he is, and he's like, wow, I was playing quarterback in high school and kind of leaning towards basketball for a majority, and now I'm a linebacker in the NFL getting his second contract with the Chicago Bears. That has to be a really cool feeling for him. Have you talked to him since even – I know the draft has been a little bit now, but since the draft process or even since he did get traded to Chicago? Yeah, I mean, he is – he is super humble for sure. Um, but he's also still very hungry to prove any doubters wrong. You know I mean? He's, he's, and that, I think that's part of why he's playing at such an elite level because he's not satisfied. Mm-hmm. He's never satisfied. So he recognizes the blessings he's had in life and he's very appreciative of that. But at the same time, He's like, I still have a lot of work to do. I still feel like I have to prove myself. I think he always has that chip on his shoulder that he needs to prove himself because he was a quote-unquote two-star recruit, because mm-hmm. he was a high school quarterback, because he was an undrafted free agent, because he doesn't get the, the same payout as some of, the, some of his peers that play the same position have less stats than him. Like All of these things are, are very motivational to him to keep attacking the process just like he was that junior in high school that was attacking the process just because he wanted to win for his town and with his buddies that he grew up playing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's fun. These are the stories, and unfortunately, you you root for the kids always. So from the start, you want to see him, you know, with the higher star recruit. Like you said, that's more fun. More fun for fans when you see that your school got a four star, a five star, and now they have all these rankings when it comes to that type of stuff. But for him, being able to just kind of work through all of this and each time prove that he can be the type of player that people, you know, maybe not think he can be, but somebody like you knows he can be and somebody like himself knows he can be. And it's re- it's been really fun to watch him this season because, like I said, I was super excited already from hearing things that you said about him last year and then after that kind of going and paying a little bit more attention to him in Philly and when Chicago decided they were going to sign him, I was super excited because I was like, man, this kid, he de- he's like you said, he's an athlete and he's, he's all over the field. You see him everywhere making plays and it's been really fun to kind of watch that progress throughout the season we were talking a little bit before the 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 podcast started coach and we we're just how the bear season obviously not going the way we expected what are your what are your thoughts on that where are the the biggest areas of concern for you support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, wow. <laughs> fun. I get to critique coaches. I'm sure you're going to critique me. I get to wear a different hat, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, here's the reality of it. Like, I mean, people just do not understand how hard it is to win. It doesn't matter if it's high school football, college football, professional level. 
and the margin between winning and losing is so slim. Although it seems like there's a big gap and, you know, oh man, uh, you know, the Bears have lost by 15 or, you know, 15 or more, like three times this year, whatever the stat was, like, regardless of what the score shows you, you could always go back and watch the trigger points. You could watch maybe the better word to use is the turning points in the game. Mm -hmm. And it always comes down to three or four pivotal moments that your team just failed to execute. Maybe it was a wide open receiver. Maybe it was a a fumble. Maybe it was someone, you know, going to the wrong gap defensively or missing a tackle in space. Mm -hmm. So my point is, although it feels like we're so far away in Chicago, I guarantee we're a lot closer than we all realize. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, look, I'm as frustrated as the, as the next, I've been, grew up in this city and, you know, I want to go back to the, the 85 bears, like, and we're going to get there eventually, but it's the NFL. I mean, it, it's, it's really difficult. And I know people like to minimize it and look at like, well, with the Patriots and look at how many years they, they won. And, you know, they drafted Brady in the sixth round. Like, you know, like a lot of things have to go correctly mm-hmm. for you to win. Yeah. A lot of things. And a lot of those things that you need to go correctly are not always within your control as a player and as a coach. Yes. When I watch the Bears personally, I see a group of guys that are, they care. They want to win. Like, I, I don't feel like it's a team that's going out there that's just given up and waved the white flag. I think especially defensively. I still think we, we fly around pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think teams are just lining up and just, you know, destroying us and physically running the ball down our throat and, like, there's nothing we could do. I mean, I still think that our our, our guys are playing with, with passion. I really do. And there's just some, some things we have to we have to figure out, right? Yeah. I mean, the, be- the best defense is a, is a ball control offense. I mm-hmm. mean, there's – we have to figure out what is going on, and, and, and I don't know what that answer is. I mean, I, I find it hard to believe that a, a guy like Justin Fields with his talent suddenly comes to the Bears and suddenly he doesn't have talent anymore. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the history of him as a player, I mean, everywhere he has gone, he has won. And I understand that the NFL is a different league. I understand all that. But the guy's a winner, yeah. and he's a, a elite quarterback his whole life. So, like, something is happening. I don't know what that is because I'm not in, in the film room. I'm not in, in the meetings. I'm not at practice. But we could figure out that something. I don't know. I, I, I think yeah. there's there's a lot of potential. I really do. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I, I know Twitter sometimes can be a little crazy. And there's the, the Twitter GMs on there that think that sometimes they know what is best or what is going on. And But you mentioned just a couple mistakes, Coach. And when you're looking back even last week, you can point to probably – just like you said, three or four things that really shifted that game. Two of them, in my opinion, the, they blew the whistle early before a play was done, and that's really frustrating to watch. Um, and so something like that, a couple pre-snap penalties, those, those type of things really start to shift the game. But when th- there's moments when you're like, okay, there's, there's a lot of talent on this roster on both sides of the ball, and we've seen the defense kind of get better week by week. The young guys, uh, Javon Dexter, I feel like every week we're seeing more out of him, and it's been really fun to watch that. The secondary, unfortunately, has been beat up, so I'm hoping when they do, when they're all healthy and playing as like a full starting unit, then you'll start to see that, what we are kind of expecting. But it is, I agree. I think there's there's a lot of talent on the football field. Uh, there's something there that, like you just mentioned, that's not, it's, it's not all clicking all at one time, and that seems like it may be some of the problem. But there's a whole another half of the season to play, so hopefully we start see, seeing some things. Justin get healthy, number one, and then things kind of start to fall into place. But um, thank you. And, and you think about what you said of things clicking. Like That's what I mean about how people minimize winning and think like, well, we should be winning more. Like, do you understand how hard it is to get all 11 guys to do exactly what they are supposed to do on, on every single play? I mean, you think about the statistical odds of that, mm-hmm. and that does not even take into account that the 11 guys they're opposing are trying to do the same exact thing, yes. right? So, you know, the odds of all 11 guys being able to properly execute, I mean, it's, it's the odds are stacked against you. So, mm-hmm. Every play that we sit in the stands and say, why are we running that? I guarantee you that we could show you, when I say we, I mean any coach can show you one, two, three players that did not do what he was supposed to do on that play. Maybe he stepped the wrong way. 
maybe he just couldn't execute it. Maybe the guy over him is just better than him. Like, mm-hmm. that's the way football works. And all it takes is one of those 11 to not be able to execute the way that he was planned to execute, and then the whole play is dead. I mean, and that's, that's the part that – and I know I'm a coach of politics, but that's the part that a lot of fans just don't realize. The Cisco odds of getting all 11 guys to do exactly what they're supposed to do, it's, it's slim. It's yeah. really tough tough thing yeah and and now when you have because everybody pretty much has access to that all 22 and when you break that down a lot of times some things that maybe you saw live in the game you were like man justin screwed that up and then you go back and you look and you're like never mind you know as you mentioned wrong route ran or maybe it just didn't end up even some bad snaps have been happening a lot this year and that kind of ends up altering where he has to make a quicker decision than it was supposed to be so all of those things start to unravel if they're not going the way they were planned just like you mentioned but uh thanks so much coach i really appreciate it uh two times and i guess almost a, a year process i've got to talk to you because of two guys that you've been able to coach that are now successful in the nfl so it has to be a really cool feeling for you but i do really appreciate you hopping on with me Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And anytime you want to reconnect, would love to. And I know you're one of our, our transplants in warm weather now. We lose a lot of you guys down there, which I don't blame you. So we had, <laughs> we had a couple inches of snow uh, two days ago, just so you know, I on s- Halloween. So. I saw that. I was. It's honestly crazy. It's been a little chillier here. When I say a little chillier, like the mornings have been 55, but by the afternoon they're back to 75. But I saw a picture of the snow and I was like, yeah, we're definitely not close to that in Florida yet. Well, enjoy the weather and uh, appreciate the time and talking to you. All right. Thanks so much, Coach. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We are continuing our TJ Edwards making monsters. TJ has been playing fantastic this year for the Chicago Bears, and that linebacker position is a, a very important spot in the history of the Bears. So today we are talking to Coach Kevin Claxton. He's a former analyst for Badgers football coaching staff. So, Coach, thanks so much for hopping on with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So let's hop into this then. Um, you also, before we get to TJ, you also played at Wisconsin. You were a linebacker yourself. Uh, that position, as I mentioned, in Chicago is a, a very historical position there. But it's like that at Wisconsin, too. There's a, a ton of highly recognized linebackers that come out of Wisconsin to this day and have in the past. Um, so that's definitely a position group that is well known uh, for Badger football. Tell us a little bit about your time there and what that that position group really meant for the Badgers when you played? Sure. Um, I was a player there from um, the year 2008 to 2012. So that was a um, pretty good time to be a Badger. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some success on the field, winning uh, three Big Ten championships and uh, going on to compete in the Rose Bowl. Um, as far as the linebacker position, it, it, it started before I even got there. It was guys mm-hmm. uh, like Jonathan Casillas, uh, Dre Levy, those type of guys setting the tone when I was a freshman Mm -hmm. um, for that position group. And I would say that was always one of the strengths of the team. Uh, You know, everybody talks about the offensive linemen and the running backs and tight ends at Wisconsin. But if you look back at it and kind of, I guess, look back now and see some of the success some of the guys are having in the NFL, uh, there is an argument for Wisconsin to be the linebacker of the 2000s. Oh, yeah, I agree. And I think that's one of the most obviously you you look at the Watt brothers and that's the the biggest, probably more recent, especially with T.J. Watt, the way he's playing in the NFL right now. But there's a long list of guys that you can say. And coach, you are from Florida. You're living back in Florida now coaching high school football here. Um, So uh, just a little bit of it, that the cold weather up there in Wisconsin, that's a whole different world. How did you handle that? Yeah, it was definitely uh, (laughs) a bit of a shock that first winter. but, you know, once you make it through and you get around a great group of people, uh, you kind of learn the ropes and keep yourself warm and, you know, <laughs> take care of your business. Yeah. It was definitely a big change. Uh, we got a bit, little bit of a cool cool day down here in South Florida today. So it's, it's funny to see people in their big jackets and stuff. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was definitely a change to come up there and get some 30-degree weather and snow. But um, I wouldn't change that time for, uh, 
scoring today. Yeah, and it's different. It's a, it's a different world, and we call it obviously with Bears fans, we call it bear weather because that's just mm-hmm. part of the history of playing winter football in Chicago. There's that extra right. added element, and because the guys are are obviously living there and practicing there, you do get a little bit of a it's a little bit extra of an advantage once you do start getting accustomed to it. But Sam, I live in Jacksonville, and today this morning it was like 55, and the amount of people that were in their full on like scarves and parkas when I was on my way to work <laughs> was pretty funny. But let's hop over to Edwards. So uh, I know, I believe you were there for his final two years, the 2017, 2018 seasons, I believe. Um, so Edwards, mm-hmm. but in, in high school, he was actually a quarterback the entirety of his high school career. Mm-hmm. He had a handful of defensive plays during that time. Um, but what is it that, that you've seen or when, that you did see at when you were working for Wisconsin that they when they notice players like that who maybe aren't playing a certain side of the ball, but they're seeing certain elements, obviously, and there was something seen in T.J. Edwards that they knew he could kind of transfer over and play that that defensive side. Sure. It's a bit of a projection, right, whenever you take a guy from, say, playing quarterback and saying, oh, he's going to be our star linebacker. you got to have some type of, um, um, you know, projecting abilities and um, just abilities to recruit and kind of see in the future a little bit. But I would say a guy like TJ, just being a football guy, um, you know, you got people that play football and you have football guys. I would mm. say TJ is one of those football guys where um, playing the quarterback position, he had a chance to touch the ball every play and see the game a little bit differently um, than everyone else. And I think there's some of that as well in Mike linebacker play, um, being the quarterback of the defense, getting mm. everybody lined up and kind of knowing where all those pieces have to move and fit. Um I think it was a natural fit for TJ and just, you know, developing over those five years there in the, with the strength and conditioning staff, becoming one of the stronger guys on the team. And, you know, there's some confidence in that, getting that ability in the weight room and being able to transfer it onto the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that's, that's that was something that helped TJ out a lot. Um, even after he became an All-American his junior year, just getting back into the weight room, you know, finding different things to get better at. That was something I was most proud of him about, just, like I said, being a football person and always finding a way to improve. Yeah. Um, that, that That's T.J. Edwards in, in a nutshell. Yeah, and you, you've kind of seen that throughout his career through high school. And I, I talked to his high school coach earlier, and he was – just kind of telling that he wasn't even a football player. He was a basketball player, and that was kind of his thing. Right. And he, uh, with help of other coaches and stuff, kind of saying, hey, come play football. It happened, and that love just kind of grew, and he dedicates himself to things he do he does. And like you've been able to see that. You can see it at Wisconsin. You can see it when he went undrafted, and then the way he was able to start in year right. two for Philly. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But at, at the time, Wisconsin's uh, defensive coordinator, Dave Arnada, was the one who was able to flip Edwards because uh, his commitment originally was to Western Western Michigan, um, and he flipped that over to Wisconsin. So what do you think that Arnada was able to do to kind of sell Edwards outside of it, obviously being uh, in Big Ten football, which people want to play for? Uh, what was he able to sell on that defense to get Edwards to come and want to play at Wisconsin? I think when you cut the tape, uh, when you cut games on on Sundays, um, you watch Wisconsin play, you see the same brand of football, mm-hmm. pro-style defense. A pro-style system, uh, regardless, offense, defense, special teams. And I think, you know, like I said, TJ is a football guy. So people that are football guys, they understand that, okay, if I'm learning it right now and doing it on Saturdays, um, my learning curve is a little bit easier once I get to that next level. Um, those that, that terminology is about the same, and you're literally running pretty much those same defenses, just the hash markings are a little bit wider and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so – I think that's the biggest selling point is just being able to talk to those guys and let them know that they're running um, a pro-style system, um, you know, being able to have them ha- have them see both tape from pro-professional uh, mm-hmm. defense and seeing, you know, the install for Wisconsin defense. I think it um, helps those guys make that decision. Yeah, I agree. And so, as I mentioned a little bit ago, the final two years 
of TJ's college career, you were there at Wisconsin on that coaching staff. And so by this point, Edwards had really kind of started coming to his own at that linebacker position. And just a a couple of the numbers, because when you look at his numbers, they were incredible. Um, 81 tackles, 11 for loss, two sacks and four interceptions his his redshirt junior year. And then 112 tackles, 11 and a half for loss, three sacks, three interceptions his senior year. 112 tackles. And that's something we're seeing, we've been able to see in the NFL. The guy just finds the football. And it's, it's amazing the the kind of vision he has when he's on the field, and you've seen it get better and better. But what would you say that were that was TJ's biggest traits those last couple of seasons that really made him flash and be successful at that inside linebacker position? Uh, I mean, he was just a playmaker. You know, when you think about inside linebacker, Mike linebacker, you think about a tackling machine, sideline to sideline. Um, his ball skills, being able to get interceptions, uh, I, I really thought he was one of the best and um, pass coverage uh, his last couple years, just mm-hmm. being able to know where the quarterback wants to go, um, his make his movement efficient and get into those spots and being able to actually catch it when um, he has the opportunity. Uh, that's just not easy for every defensive player. Uh, checking all those boxes, doing your assignment, getting to the right spot, and then cashing in when the ball gets there. Um, I thought TJ had a uh, good last two years with getting interceptions, getting takeaways, and just being that playmaker for the t- uh, for the defense. Yeah, and, and you're si- um, oh, that led to the defense having some success. Yeah, and that's uh, I think the senior oh the 2017 season so the junior season uh, Wisconsin ranked number two nationally in total defense in, in that 2017 year and obviously we know it's a team game and there's a, there was a lot of good football players on that roster but how big of a factor do you think that Edwards being uh, in the position he was and being able to be the player he was that season helped that defense uh, get to that number two ranking. Oh man, I, 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 he was one of the heart and souls of that defense. You had a few guys um, who I were kind of put into that uh, category. Uh, all of them linebackers. Uh, you had Andrew Andrew Van Ginkle, uh, Chris or Andrew. I might have came a year later. You had Chris Orr and Ryan Conley. All three of those guys were our inside linebackers, and they were just unselfish. All supported each other and all helped each other out. Um, but I would say TJ was the heart and soul of that defense, and um, you know, just him, his playmaking and making tackles and guys having that uh, can-do attitude because they knew, okay, that position and those guys inside were going to take care of their assignments. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier a little bit just the the kind of correlation maybe between the, the quarterback and the, the Mike linebacker position. And a lot of times you see, obviously, the quarterback – 98% of the time as the leader of your offense. And when it comes to defense, it shifts around sometimes, but a lot of times you are seeing that linebacker position and the NFL being, you know, what we say, where's the green dot, the the guy that's kind of like right. calling those plays defensively. And it, it seems like TJ, the, the Bears have are in the midst of kind of a rebuild. And so they're still kind of looking for that leadership type guy, but it seems like TJ Edwards could be that guy. Do you see him being able to be the leader of a defense like the Bears? Absolutely. Um, hometown kid, mm-hmm. so you know that he's definitely passionate about the team. He cares about um, the, the, the program having success. And he's someone who has some credibility playing on a, a team that just went to the Super Bowl, uh, having success on the field, uh, generating a, uh, gr- uh, great statistical numbers. Um, I believe someone like him has that credibility in the locker room with the players and with other coaches. Um, being able to talk the same language as the coaches and being able to relay the information to his teammates on the field. Um, I believe he's someone who's very prepared for that. And it is a cool story. You mentioned him being a home hometown kid. And it, it, what, a, what a full circle moment for him to be able to come back to Chicago and play for a team that as a kid, we saw the pictures immediately when the Bears signed him of him in his Bears gear as a child. And so that had to have been a really cool moment for him. A couple more for you, Coach, before I let you go. Because let's that offseason after his final year, obviously you're going through combine and all of the stuff to get ready for the draft. And I personally am still shocked he went undrafted. When you look at, when you watch his film from college, when you look at all the numbers, when you look at the the leadership side of what he was able to do at Wisconsin, and like I said, leading a, a top-ranked defensive side of the ball in the Big Ten, um, how do you remember that process being like for him, and were you also surprised that he went undrafted? I think we all were um, a bit surprised that, 
I don't know the exact number of linebackers that were selected that year that that however many it was were selected and he wasn't. But I think those type of things are also um, some of the best things that happen for those type of guys, especially someone like him. Um, it just got him back refocused and, uh, you know, he went back to the drawing back board and worked on things uh, to help him improve, even things that he was already good at. I, I saw him improve a little bit. And I believe that is the reason why he's in this situation that he's in today, uh, being able to sign a, a second contract and go to being able to select the team that he wanted to go and play for and mm-hmm. being his hometown team. I believe him going the undrafted um, uh, aspect was something that just, you know, made his drive go a little bit more and made him a little bit hungry. And I, mm-hmm. from the outside looking in, I believe that's something that's, that's maybe extended his career maybe four or five more years just because he's, you know, trying to prove himself. Yeah. Yeah, and it is when you, obviously the guys, they want to be drafted, but like you said, you could take that two different ways and you could, he could have taken that as, you know, as an insult and have been upset that he didn't get drafted, but it seemed like instead TJ just put more work and effort into what he's doing and the the results have shown since pretty much the start in the NFL. It's funny because I found one little little tidbit um, from after the combine around the draft time and one of the liners in it, it says, um, he lacks desired chase speed and might be maxed out as a player, but he doesn't make many dire mistakes that hurt his team. Edwards is a backup inside linebacker for a 3-4 or 4-3 defense with the ability to step up and handle starter duties if needed. And I just kind of laughed at this because he's pretty much been starting since his second year in the NFL and yeah. has been at the top of tackles all of the years. Pretty much he's been in there and he's doing it again. He's on pace to actually set a Chicago Bears tackling record this season. That's how well he's playing. Um, so it, it, those are just the kind of things that, yeah, I think maybe that added a little extra drive behind him. And uh, same coming out of high school. I mean, I think it was two-star, maybe three-star recruit going into Wisconsin, and then he had the career he did there. And then going undrafted and being able to go play for Philly. And uh, final one for you, Coach, because that kind of ties me into this. When he when he gets to Philly, I personally think it was probably the perfect spot for him when you're when you're starting um when he for him to start his career he got a defense that was pretty reliable and had a lot of pieces around to kind of help him start to learn the NFL and really adjust to that level without being thrown into an absolute mess as some other defenses may have been but now it look it looks like it really led him to who he is and I was a little concerned when he first came to Chicago because I was like, man, the, the, the Philly defense is stacked. Like how much was TJ and how much was the help around him? And to me, it looks like he's a big factor in that. Um, and he just progressed and has gotten better every single year he's been in the NFL. So within the last five, six years, though, and uh, like through college and the beginning of his NFL career and now uh, to the NFL, what do you think, what factors have you seen him improve on the most through this time to now transfer to the NFL and be successful at this level? I would say um, overall fitness. Um, mm-hmm. He really, um, you know, has taken a, st- a next step in his fitness and um, just making sure that his body is in a good, uh, good place and he's able to run, hit, and jump for as long as it takes, four quarters or more. Um, I would say that just, you know, watching those full games and seeing that he's getting stronger as the game goes and he's not really fatiguing, uh, just that overall fitness and, you know, being confident in his knowledge of the game. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you went through college in a certain type of defense. You played uh, for the Eagles in more of a four-down four, four down defense. Just knowing that, okay, whatever defense I'm playing in, I know it. I know how to get my guys lined up. Now just going out there and executing that, I, I feel like he's uh he's in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I get a chance to watch them play, uh, I see a confident player and yeah. someone who's, who's sure of what they're doing. Yeah, and I think the the knowledge of it that is something that I think sometimes goes under the radar more than it should because the the physical attributes are important. But for guys like TJ, you see, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, you really see his vision of the entire field. And maybe that comes a little bit from quarterbacking through high school and being able to see the field from a different perspective. And now having that, that, that opposite view of it, he kind of maybe be, he can see a little more what the quarterback is expected to do because that's one thing. He just knows where the ball is. He's a ball hawk. He's around the ball. And that's why he has tackles just continuously get better every single year he's been in the NFL. So it's, he's a really fun player to watch. And uh, I look forward to keep keeping on cheering for TJ Edwards in the NFL and for the Bears. But again, thank you so much, Coach. I really appreciate uh, you hopping on with me.
Thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed it. Yep, and you have a good rest of your day. I guess enjoy the the little bit of chilliness we have because I think it's back to the 80s next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. You as well. Thank you. Bye, Coach. So thanks so much to Coach Mertens. It was really fun to chat with him again, and it's really cool because he's had two, he has these two guys now who are also playing on the same team. He is also a Bears fan because he grew up in Illinois also, so not only does he get to cheer for the team he already cheered for, but now he has two former players that he's coached and watched just kind of grow through uh, through their high school careers and college careers now play on a team that he personally loves. Uh, so it's really cool for him. And also Co- uh, Coach Claxton, uh, another obviously being a Badger, he has a little extra love for Wisconsin and was able to really see the, the development of TJ Edwards through his college career. And I, I really am surprised that he did not get drafted. And I'm sure there are some reasonings behind that of um, – uh, maybe maybe just that the, the position change of him being that inside linebacker in college and never playing that before. But from pretty much the get-go in college, he was, he was making splash plays on the field and was really taking that defense up extra level. So it's really important um, for us to go ahead and look at this as a positive because TJ Edwards, the signing this offseason, as I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, was definitely one of the best that – Ryan Poles had made because uh, the value, the talent, the almost immediate impact. And yes, we want to see this defense uh, do a little more, but the, this, run, this run defense went from one of the worst in the league last year to one of the best in the league this year. And that's something you have to look at. And now they've added Montez Sweat to help with the pass rush. And hopefully that's something that we see uh, immediately this weekend. Because if you can add some pass, ru- pass rush, that helps the linebackers, that helps the defensive backs who have been battling injuries all season long and takes a little bit of pressure off of them. And getting to the quarterback obviously starts to force quicker throws, and that's when you get uh, more turnovers. That's when you see those mistakes from the the opposing quarterbacks. And this weekend against Derek Carr, who is one of the more inconsistent quarterbacks in the league uh, when it comes to ups and downs, perfect opportunity to be able to do that. So uh, we will see how this weekend goes. I will be on the postgame show this weekend with Jeff. And uh, we will hopefully be talking about a win, if not a win, at least hopefully talking about a competitive game where uh, we're starting to see things shift. And when Justin Fields comes back, hopefully next week, uh, we're seeing uh, a big step moving forward because I think that's what all of us are looking. It's a long season and we have a whole second half to look forward to uh, as long as we start seeing improvements and we start seeing some of these guys getting healthy and getting on the football field. So, Again, I am Taylor Dahl. This is Making Monsters, and I will see you guys next time.